All right, we're recording. All right, Ben, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Ready to do this? Let's you do it. I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready to do it. Tell them who we are. Do Tell I do a, co- a countdown? I still. Why don't you? Oh, uh, who's oh, my God. God. Not exactly radio with you once more. It is spooky season. I love it, but we're not doing anything spooky. Well, I guess real it's life spooky. Season. What are you talking about? It's spooky hoodie season, and we're it doing something that's spooky like spooky first days of October, baby. <laughs> Feeling like I might do a little celebrating. <laughs> Anyways, we are not exactly radio with me, one of your hosts, Benny K, and Tony. Yeah, boy. Hey, Tony. Yeah, boy. Tony. And uh, of course, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us again. <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure to be here. I didn't mean uh, to just say like Kevin. No, just, like, no, and of no, course, that was and great. Kevin. That was great. That was great. <laughs> I, I just, I'm glad we picked the album we did because for those who don't pay attention to our social media, which what are you doing? You listen to this. Uh, follow us on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram, and that's how you get to participate in the show. Uh, we yeah. asked uh, the audience who y'all wanted for us to uh, do an episode on and had it between Bad Religion and Rage Against the Machine, and we settled on Public Enemy. And this is a bit of a party album in addition to being a socially conscious record. Revolution for will sure. not be televised, and but you will... Get down at it. For sure. <laughs> Revolution might be airborne, folks. We <laughs> <laughs> don't know about that. So oh my um, god. Oh my god. But uh go into that. I you know, I I'm not sure. I, I feel like this might be a ploy to like try to grab sympathy from people. Well, isn't nah. that isn't that the problem when you have an authoritarian who just lies every day to your face? Yeah. What the fuck are you supposed to believe in? So like how you always say, how are we supposed to believe that he's actually sick too? The fact that he went know, 12, the, hours, uh, 12 oh, hours between tweeting is my, uh, three, four, five, is my, uh, eight, this shit's going, this shit's real. Uh, they <laughs> trotted out uh, 10 doctors to give his medical update back at 11 o'clock. Because uh, even if they were trying like a dusty finish on it, the man couldn't stay off Twitter no, while that's right. happening, you know? Yeah. The dusty like, finish. Oh, oh no. I think, uh, think somebody won something and then uh after the bell they take they strip you of the championship. Oh that's the dusty finish. I was wondering how's this wrestling? <laughs> oh, there was a, I actually did have a how is this wrestling in this one, I think. Oh shit. Damn it. No, I forgot it. Never mind. Ah, uh, there is a nice surprise uh for you, Ben, in this. Anyway, so yeah, we did Public Enemy. It takes oh, a yeah. nation of millions to hold us back. Uh the other two, Bad Religion and Rage Against the Machine, favorite of ours. I'm sure they'll get touched at some point. Oh, but, never. You know what? We're never talking about them ever. <laughs> We're doing you know those what? next. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm just glad that we went with the one that made me push my boundaries. The other ones I'm much more familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it takes a nation of millions to hold us back. That's the second studio album by uh, 
hip-hop group Public Enemy. It was released on June 28th, 1988. So I was negative four months. Ben was negative six. Uh, Kevin, turns out, negative, negative four, four months. months. Yeah. <laughs> My birthday. His birthday the same. Uh, Let's say you have the October same birthday. October 8th. Woo! Um, uh, already we got some similarities here acting like we uh, got uh, we did this on purpose because the group set out to make the hip hop equivalent to Marvin Gaye's What's Going On mm-hmm. which is well, an album noted for its strong social commentary strong social commentary is which, one of the correct descriptions of that one if you haven't listened to it yet we did an al- we did that album a couple months ago back early 2020 so go back there and listen to Marvin Gaye What's Going On as Tony and I break that one down, woo! Yeah, so that's what I was talking about. We we definitely planned this, uh, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So uh, the other element was they noted how enthusiastic and how powerful their live performance were going and how energetic. So they wanted to speed something up, uh, get something a little faster and hard hitting than Yo Bum Rush the show. And that was also a huge jump for hip hop in general is just they made this like, you know, so then it just put a pressure on a bunch of other hip hop groups to basically catch up. Um, let's start, you know, let's get this, uh, the party element into hip hop. Um, so what's tracks were you guys familiar with before we dive deep into this one? Um, pre full listen, was it just bring the noise or don't I had the hype. I think it was most of most familiar with, and then bring the noise. It was really just bring the noise louder than the bomb and then profits of rage. Those were really the only, and then I knew of the track called countdown to Armageddon. I thought it was more than just an intro track, but yeah. Uh, also channel zero, I think are got to me at some point too. Um, and I remember just thinking how cool it was with the Slayer riff. Um, right, yeah. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back. Charted for 47 weeks on the U.S. Billboard 200, peaking at number 42, certified platinum in 1989. Um, let's see. what uh, Anything else uh, relevant here? Uh, so, Plug with Academy is Chuck D, the uh, rapper, main lyricist. Flava Flav is the uh, hype man, uh, kind of a goofball, and, well, we found out this year also a dimwit uh (laughs) but you know whatever uh and then the production team was called the bomb squad which uh mostly they worked with public enemy but they also did stuff for uh other notable acts during this time like eric b rakeem l cool j and such but their main group that they did work with was uh public enemy so uh the two main guys i think mama knock you out by ll is a bomb squad track if i'm not Hmm. mistaken so yeah, uh, the way that um, it's the way uh, I didn't write it down, but uh, just the way that <laughs> de- describes Shockley to him—it's um, not Don Imus. That was the idiot radio producer, the other guy with the oh. crazy hair. That's actually a good producer. Um, but anyways, Hank Shockley and Eric Sadler of the Bomb Squad—they were the two founders uh, of the Bomb Squad. Specter, right? There we go. He, yeah. Chuck D wants to uh, refers to Phil Spector as the, or Hank Shockley as the Phil Spector of hip hop. Um, oh, right Phil Spector on. did, you know, was a big part of 80s rock and roll, like mm-hmm. pushing it ahead of 
or the 70s and 80s pushing it in uh, forward. Uh, Shockley's method of approaching this album has uh, similar styles to Death Grip. So, of course, again, we <laughs> planned this ahead totally of time. Planned this. Uh, under Shockley's direction, the Bomb Squad uh, would develop a sense of chaotic production style that relied on found sounds and avant-garde noises as much as it did old school funk. So again, it's this mix of finding weird noises out in the real world and throwing them onto shit that you're creating in a studio. Um, so yeah, again, we planned this ahead of time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the other thing, uh, so yeah, uh, Hank would, Hank said the way this worked, Chuck D is the person that would find all the vocal samples. He was basically the vocal expert. And then Eric Sadler, the other member of the Bob squad was the one with the musical talent, basically crafting everything that they were putting together, um, and orchestrating it. And so that's how it all goes on behind scenes. Uh, basically they were writing this while touring the Yo Bum Marshall show in Europe. Meanwhile, back home, the production team was producing basically the beats. So like Chuck D was riding on the road and then they would come back and uh, figure out these arrangements and see what would fit. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's the background. I wanted to make sure to get a bunch of it just because, again, this is thought of as a very landmark record. Uh, numerous groups throughout the decades have said of how important it is. And again, it's one of those that there was no way we were going to get a very accurate telling in it in five days. So this is really our first takes. Yes, for sure. Um, it was, it was like a lot to process as far as being like 16 tracks, just under an hour or maybe just an hour. Uh, it's just all the shit going on. It's just everything. It, it's like the messages are all different, but they're all like a beautiful way of telling you these messages, which I and think is pretty cool too. The music's all its own thing too. Right. Jesus it's, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and you know, it, it's cool. It, it, like all the different elements, how they come yeah. together. I also, uh, I do want to say, Every time Public Enemy is brought up, I think about my time at the good old Red Dot in Wauwatosa. Mm -hmm. And uh, there used to be this owner there that, uh, I don't know if he knew Public Enemy per se, but he knew people that would, th th like Public Enemy would come to Wauwatosa, this little fucking suburb of Milwaukee, uh, like once a year to play at a bar for a private party for this guy that owned this bar. And I'm like, holy fucking shit. Like, I, I remember like serving uh, like Chuck D uh, fucking Red Bull because like he had to do the show. And as soon as the show was done, he had to fucking get on a plane and fly to Washington to do something else. Like he literally was like, all right, here's the show. And as soon as it was done, he was fucking out. He was, and that's a, and, and that's a connection then. So he must, it must be a close enough connection. He's willing it's to do that. <laughs> fucking a, but it's like, it's also like, they've done this for multiple years. It wasn't just one yeah. year. It was like yeah. fucking insane. So it wasn't like for, it was for a payday. It's yeah. Cause they must know, you know, that it's close enough friends where, so it's one, it must be one of those things too. I feel, uh, I just learned about this this year, but like, apparently it's kind of like a non-Wisconsinite thing of, uh, like the old joke that just basically everybody has a relative in Wisconsin. I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a joke well, either. It, it also, uh, so when they say Wisconsin teams travel well to bring our sports into everything, uh, it's because people go to the University of Wisconsin and then the brain drain 
go elsewhere. Mm. So like people have been going to California down South, uh, over to New York. So like we just have a lot of people who grew up in Wisconsin, went to one of the top colleges in the country and then just booked it. So of course you can uh, find somebody Packer bars. You know? yeah, absolutely. Packer bars sure. are a thing. There are at least one in every state. Like, no yeah. lie. It doesn't matter where you are. There's one Packer bar. So, um, but yeah, I, I think of that too because I remember us standing outside once, like, going, hmm, maybe we can go in. <laughs> 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 Trying to get in there. Uh, but yeah. Um, so, we already mentioned two uh, recent episodes, two Death Grips and Marvin Gaye. Uh, other ones I wanted us to keep in mind, uh, of course, Black Lives Matter, Chuck D, yep. uh, uh, Black Nationalist, and a lot of this lyrics has to do with his Black Nationalism. And uh, that again, that's why the lyrics are so socially charged and very relevant and mm-hmm. very strong and awesome. Uh, uh, they also remind me of System of Down, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, RTG RTJ four tackled a bunch of the same uh, same subjects, and guess what, Ben? What there is a Tom Waits story in here? Oh, really? We what? Get to it. That was a surprise that you were talking about. So let us get Whoa. down to the uh, album. Let's go to the tracks. Just a little update. I know y'all like to mention uh, Rolling Stones top five hundred albums every once in a while. They recently updated here. Uh, back before when y'all didn't know what the number one album was, it was the Beatles, uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. That's what it used to be. Yeah, and they've recently going. updated the 500 list. Uh, on top now is Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. As All, the right. Album. All right. Uh, Public Enemy used to be down at 48 with It Takes a Nation. Now up to number 15 album there of is. Oh, all right. time so we're gotta gotta acknowledge hip-hop <laughs> well you gotta think about it too like all these messages like marvin gay public enemy a bunch of other uh, artists that we've covered here have these messages that sound relevant to today and like how like how we like these albums are from different time eras that we think but it's still like the same issues and like it's still today and like how how sad like fucking come on let's just be better jesus christ and uh you know and what's going on does deserve that top spot because just how pretty it marvin like marvin gay's voice is oh absolutely um and like even though i might love the Beatles still sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band is still like baby's first mature album <laughs> that's it's it's baby's first music like it really is like they're, they're they so- dropped that out of the top 20 so that's like hey good job uh gen z or whatever we're <laughs> calling uh the current ones whoever is working over at rolling stone nowadays uh way to overthrow your boomer overlords <laughs> So yeah, it starts off with Countdown to Armageddon, which was the second uh, runner-up to what they were going to name this album. No. So it instead settles for the opening track, which is just, you know, it's a mood setter. Makes me, uh, again, all the lines. Yeah, but this absolutely. just makes me very insanely jealous of the people that attended these shows and then just live mm-hmm. shows in general. Yeah, yeah. I said like uh, haven't been to a live show for a long time, and I'm I'm very upset. Missing that adrenaline rush when the band you've come to see is coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Damn. But yeah, but like you said, like <laughs> I know, damn for sure. But like it is a big, it is a big setup for what's to come. Like especially like you get out there and Professor Professor Griff is just like this time around the re- revolution will not be televised. And I'm like, okay, here we fucking go. Mm-hmm. And it's just like I don't know, just getting the it's crowd. A fucking, the yeah, it's a the fucking show. You could picture just getting so pumped like if you're in the crowd for this shit uh also forgot to shout out terminator x is also in the republic enemy a rather yes. important one as well so oops. yes <laughs> they have a whole track on him right here <laughs> yeah so uh but yeah so our mood setter our uh second title and then of course it goes into again undefeated song what? bring the noise uh, yeah <laughs> It's it's perfect in every way. You can play it anytime. You can play it during like chilling. You can play it to pump you up. Like no, it's just it's it's just one of those undefeated songs. It it's one of those. <laughs> I was gonna say it's one of those times where I think the remix or is it a cover? I don't. The one where they have Anthrax playing on it, where I think they both hold like equal weight, like. Mm-hmm. It, it one I would never put one above the other because they both have their own special qualities to them. Uh, Daryl McDaniels might like to claim that he's hip hop's first king of rock, but like from the jump, this has such punk rock energy, and that's even before throwing on a metal band uh, to give you your backing track. Oh, absolutely, so, yeah, yeah, and that uh, like, yeah, it's. It is one of those where it just is this weird mix of genres that you just never see, like, because it wouldn't work for, like, a full act. So this, it just oh, makes this just just track. destroying the entire new metal genre. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> basically, new metal tried to make this whole, like, this sound a whole genre, but it doesn't work. Except for Sode. And uh, well, shout out also, <laughs> also, yes, and also shout out to uh, Deftones because also Deftones. their new record. Uh, oh, yeah, whips ass. yeah, I was check gonna it say, out. and I, I think the part of it is that you really need a uh, vocalist and songwriter to really carry that type of thing. And the second verse on this track is still the hardest thing I think I've ever. It, it just goes so fucking hard and I oh, love it, it so much. It, it's it's oh. just as hard as anything released today too. That's the thing is, yeah, because sometimes, yeah, because, you know, pushing this genre forward, especially like the angry, chaotic type of, yeah, you can hear that some of this might inspired stuff that they pushed it forward. But like, yeah, Bring the Noise sounds like it came out yesterday. So, um, but yeah, uh, going back to new metal, I think I just cracked the code. <laughs> be a good new metal band you gotta be have to have at least like one uh at least like tan member <laughs> you gotta, i would say like let's let's you look need at a brown or black person in new metal like because deftones have uh chino so you got a yeah. mexican guy there so there you go everybody in system of a down is armenian <laughs> and then there you go uh, and then uh and then uh, zach and tom right. there you go now let's look at the new metal that has failed. Uh, Kid Rock, Limp Bizkit, list over. All right. I'm gonna say, is there anyone in Corn that is? Uh... Yeah, I think they're just white dudes with dreads. Uh, <laughs> are they? But, yeah, I guess they are new metal. Yeah. But sorry for if there is a black person in Corn, but I always just 
thought they were white dudes in dreads. Uh, funny <laughs> note about uh, Bring the Noise is uh, legendary producer uh, Rick Rubin is the ex- is an executive producer on this album. Tr- tried to say that uh, Bring the Noise shouldn't have been on it. <laughs> Damn shame. Yeah, it was like something he, he, he usually right doesn't right? usually doesn't miss, but yeah. that's a that's a large miss. <laughs> There's another one that he uh, was on the fence about including. Uh, it was another. It's another strong track too, but it's on the back half. It wasn't one of the hits. It's just. There's two notable tracks that are well regarded, and I just. It's just a funny note that Rick Rubin was like, eh, "Leave those off. They're too good." <laughs> um, it's too good. Stop that. And then, uh, so next is Don't Believe the Hype, which that one gets yeah. stuck in my head. The sample of Flava Flav. It just, the, don't, yeah, I would say that's in there. It just gets stuck in my don't head. Don't believe the hype. I can't wait until I start playing with samples. I'm going to end up driving myself nuts with my own <laughs> samples. What I need you to do is just record Jess saying something and just use that over and over again. Just one sentence. Just one sentence. No, just her prolonged Tony. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's my producer drop. Yeah, that's my producer drop. It's right <laughs> at the beginning. Tony! <laughs> oh my god. Uh, going back to Bring the Noise, though, we do need a song drop for uh, Peter Griffin. Uh, he said it. <laughs> he said the thing. Because he said Public Enemy and Bring the Noise. And then in Don't Believe oh, the Hype. Yeah. He, uh, it's like that's all they say in that <laughs> song. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's a, it's basically a song of, yes, we're black and we're proud, but it doesn't mean we're going to come subjugate and shoot all of your white children. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, again, just how the media will portray any angry black person as incredibly violent and ready to destroy America. Because <laughs> that's what the song is known about. Is like, yeah, we're here to teach you. We're not here to, like, eliminate, you know, it's the same thing of, you know, we're... That's why, you know, he defends Farrakhan. There's all these, you know, lyrics about, uh, you know, Farrakhan giving him his black nationalism. Mm -hmm. Because it's just this idea of as soon as you see a black person who's justifiably angry, uh, everybody wants to pull alarms. I'm glad that he took the black nationalism and left Farrakhan's anti-Semitism at the door, though. Yes, that's, exactly. Because that's that's, <laughs> uh, that's always with Farrakhan. It's always the <laughs> I'm not gonna criticize Chuck D because he's done more than ever I could accomplish. But also, that man has said some interesting things. <laughs> um, I do like uh, Zach Fox uses pictures of Farrakhan when like white people are saying something ridiculous, <laughs> and he just takes them with a picture of Farrakhan. <laughs> um, but yeah, so another Peter Griffin track because he I... said the thing because he is the not, what is it the. The the, the the epitome of public enemy. There we go. So I was I was curious who Farrakhan was. So I just like looked up something real quick, and it, the first thing that popped up was Farrakhan quote. So I just clicked the Google button there, and the first quote that popped up is like the Jews don't like Farrakhan, so they call me Hitler. Well, that's a good name. Hitler was a great man. And I'm like, oh no, please no, no. stop that. What are you doing? And then also, yeah, it's better to, yeah, and that's when you note that it's, this came out also in the 80s, so Farrakhan has had 30 years to uh, 
Right. Farrakhan's big thing was uh, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. Oh, that yeah. was that was his big calling card quote. Uh, and as I learned recently from a Jesus Amaro episode, uh, apparently he was also like a musician down in Jamaica before uh, becoming a like a samba musician. Yeah, like not like anything hardcore, like a dance hall guy. <laughs> so oh, this, so that's our uh, Farrakhan corner. Uh, yeah, Farrakhan, <laughs> sorry, didn't know sponsored by not Farrakhan because apparently fuck that guy. Dear God. It's one of those things of, you know, uh, black Islam, they might have points, and I am not going to delve into any of that because I am neither Jew nor black. So mm-hmm. uh, it's one of those things of Earth has a lot of shit to still figure out um let's go to cold lampin with flavor uh this is an example for me which amuses me is it gives you the it's a good uh clear contrast of flavor flame and chuck d (laughs) yeah what they bring to uh public enemy it's just like every time i hear a flavor flame verse it's it's just I I don't expect it at all. It's fl- uh to not you know it shouldn't be surprising that his style is flow of conscious consciousness. It's not really ever saying much. He's right. just saying what he's thinking about. Yeah, very much can imagine him hopping into the booth and just going off the top of the dome as opposed to having anything written down. And I initially started with this track being like. You know, this isn't half bad. And then it starts getting to the end where he just keeps talking about flavors and different flavor and flavor <laughs> and more just, flavor. And it's just like, okay, uh, can no, can we stop? Just, just corny. Just fade, just fade <laughs> him out and we go to the next track about. Now, I gotta ago. I gotta give him credit though. Like he's just hyping himself up and he's like, he's killing the hype. He does the job of hype man for sure. Yeah, for sure. But like, <laughs> but like during his verse, he has to hype himself up, which sounds really weird. <laughs> which is, it's just like, cause like I'm looking at some of these lyrics and like, it's like, boy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, boy. Ha- Ha, and then it goes to like, yeah, boy, I got a solo boy. That's right, Flavor going solo. I'm like, what are you saying here, Flavor Flavor? Stop. He's really, he's, he's really lucky he came before Cardi B because that's like what Cardi does. Now. <laughs> <laughs> of just make her Cardi noises. Cardi, Cardi, Cardi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, but yeah, it, it, it also just reminds me of how, you know, he's, this militant group that are gonna kick down your door and the revolution won't be televised bomb squad terminator x (laughs) chuck d the angry black man according to the media and then flavor because every group has the has the lovable dipshit we all every every friend group needs their lovable dipshit hey wait a second are we trying to? Call and if you don't know who it is, you don't know who it is. Yeah, actually, I do know it was me the whole time, so it's fine. <laughs> um, I kind of wanted—I wanted to talk about Terminator X because I thought that had a lot of cool. I like the intro to it because it's just like, if you all know his name, tell me his name right now, and they yell Terminator X, and then and more live shit where it's just yeah. like, damn it, I want to yell. I know the dancer, I know it. You're like Hermione and shit. Really pick annoying. me, pick me. 
Uh, yeah, I thought Terminator X had some pretty cool um, just beats in general, and just, just like I'm gonna say just down. some fun scratching in. Yeah, and then the way that's also why it's just I think such an interesting album and uh, influential is probably because this does it's still very hip hop, but like mm-hmm. that feels so much like a jam track of like a hardcore metal like. You know, there's our songs that we have shit to say, and then there's these ones where we're just getting down. Yeah. So, and that also is why it has this crossover appeal and why it's like an album of, if you like music, listen to it. Because it mm-hmm. reminds me of, yeah, just a track where in between their messages, there's also just time to like, just create all these crazy noises. Because that's the thing too, is all, again, the mix of real world and then production noises. And that's like a track that does a really interesting mix of both. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And then that Terminator, the Transformers esque scratch he has is awesome. Mm-hmm. Which is apparently like, yeah, his signature scratch, which he does through that thing. So moving on from Terminator X, we actually have Louder Than a Bomb, which I know you guys have highlighted a little bit here. Yeah, Chuck D. Uh, telling you that, yeah, he's not. He's not here to kill you all like everybody's worried about or what the media will tell you. It's uh, actually my words are louder than any bomb. (laughs) (laughs) And it's great. I love the contrast of him whispering that that, uh, as the hooks start. Uh, Because then like the come on louder, like really blast through. Um, But it's it's that same kind of uh, mentality that Rage Against... Like, this song may as well be the blueprint for every Rage Against the Machine song just yep. written after this, that that it's the lyrical content and there's nothing more transgressive than feeding someone's mind uh, that they have the power to do something. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, and just... The fact that he was already being monitored by the government <laughs> just because he released a hip-hop album and is writing a Fucking Reagan, on. man. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, fuck that Reagan. Yeah, like, just the people that he, you know, just the path he set us on. Because that's the thing. We've never left his shadow, and that's why it's, I'm glad Reagan dead. Just because everything that's come after him has just been a further, further experiments into what he pushed us into um and it's, all the way leading to his his true successor which is donald trump it's it's weird because it's like how bad things were with ronald reagan and how he was an actor and now it's donald trump's turn and he's an actor like this is fucking what like how does this work is this just some sort of like illuminati shit where they're like let's just put an actor in there is and then we is can the is the american government system broken hmm. i wait huh. and I waste <laughs> enough of my life <laughs> listening to like politics you know uh podcasts and stuff just because like that is a waste of time uh i feel so owned by people that are like politics are stupid you're correct american politics are the dumbest fucking thing i don't know why i pay attention um, but just there's also this dichotomy where the right has all the institutional power. Of course, they always want to talk like they don't, mm-hmm. but they have all the institutional power. But like 
left and left-leaning tends to have all the entertainment social clout. That's why they're always chasing that. Like, they're always chasing what celebrities are true mega, and they love their mega celebrities and stuff. They're always trying to chase this, you know, and that's why they're so mad that athletes, you know, when left-leaning athletes speak up. Because, mm-hmm. you know... And then again, that's why baseball's the choice of your average mega folk. You know, granted NFL too, but then they pissed them off and they pretend they quit it, even though every year they're quitting. <laughs> but it's always, they're, it's, they're, go ahead. So I think it. So I think it's kind of that is, you know, conservatives with their institutional power also want that social clout. And Reagan was an actor, and then Trump was a game show host. <laughs> Fucking a. Um, fuck NBC forever because he was ready to fall out of the social conscience because he was just a messy he was just a messy bitch who loves drama yeah. in the 80s and 90s and tabloids were a thing because the internet wasn't a thing yet so this messy bitch who loves drama was always in the tabloids it's it's, it's interesting the rise of power for Donald Trump uh, yeah like just seeing like you mentioned the tabloids and then going on to a show which I'll be honest, when I was younger, I watched the shit out of The Apprentice every once in a while. That was always kind of fun. Well, I mean, I reality television. Couldn't, couldn't tell you actually what went down in that oh. show. I've never watched an episode. It's one of those things of, it seemed innocent at the time because yeah. it's just this narcissist that debases all these people on television for a job. Mm-hmm. And then... <laughs> Yeah, like, I I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. But fuck NBC forever for saving him because, yeah, he was ready to just fade away because the tabloids were going away. Mm -hmm. And then some NBC jagoff was like, here's a life preserver, sir. Go on TV. (sighs) Anyways, let's move on to... uh, Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? I I think this is interesting because it's like talking about how Chuck D was like taken to court because he apparently like stole a beat but it was just a sampling like they didn't at this time with rap they didn't know the difference between a uh, like sampling and actually creating music or stealing music or whatever so they it, it's 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 a weird there's like there's still like a fine line that people uh, tiptoe today like uh, I remember seeing like a bunch of YouTube videos that are like, here's a bunch of ripoff of songs. And then they would show like a rap song with a sample of this actual song. And I'm like, that's not even a ripoff. It's just a sample, man. What are you fucking doing? So this whole song is just all about how he's getting fucked up because he samples music. I don't know. Uh, well, and, well, and also, yeah, his big point is most of this is stolen from black people already. Right. <laughs> like that's fair you know, yeah. you know it's white producers making shit but they're taking already from you know sounds that were already stolen from others um and it also brings the point and it's a point that you know we understand knowing that you know law exercising law is an exercise of power it's not an where some people say it's a direct, you know, exercise of morality. Oh, you broke the law. You deserve anything bad that happens to you. Because you broke the law. It makes you a bad person, right? Right. But law actually is exercised only through power. That's why when we see cops enforce certain laws, it, it's enforced against the people they want to enforce it against. Because mm-hmm. it's an exercise. Of- right, yeah power and that's a 
thing that I think for maybe somebody that doesn't sit, sit around and think about that might be a little obvious, but that's a key distinction about our worldview versus somebody that's a bootlicker. Right. <laughs> Having uh, uh, undergrad flashbacks with. <laughs> um, so that is one thing too. Uh, they're choosing to take somebody like Chuck D to court for this stuff. Instead of, yeah. Uh, and his last verse though, he's not saying like, oh, I think anybody should rip off anybody. He's supporting your boy, Tom Waits. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the Tom Waits Cheeto thing. Right? Uh, no. Uh, Tom Waits took legal action against the group Third Base, which was oh. a hip hop trio famous for being two white guys and one black guy for flat out copying way down the hole and then uh, mocking his singing style in their version of the song. Wow. <laughs> so he took them to court for it. And, okay. Uh, Chuck's last verse in this is like, I'm not basically, you know, it amounts to, well, I'm not saying you can do whatever you want. I support Tom. They were mocking him. They were trying to, you know. Holy shit. Get, they were trying, basically they were trying to like, yeah, make him look, you know, they, they were fronting on you, I think the lyric is. So they were fronting on Tom. So he supports Tom Waits there because yeah, you don't don't uh, flat out steal my work and then mock. Scream that I sample, for example, Tom, you ran to the federal court in U.S. It don't mean you, yeah, cause they fronted on you. The posse's ready. Terminator X, yes, he's ready. The S one's Griff, you ready? So yeah, he's supporting your boy Tom. Solidarity. That is cool. Um, so yeah, I found that interesting uh, because it's true. Yeah, there there is a difference. He's not saying that like I can just take what I want. It's just mm-hmm. what I'm doing versus what somebody else is doing ain't the same thing. That's so that's true. I enjoyed that. I uh, I wanted to touch on um, next track that I really liked was uh, she watched Channel Zero. Hell yeah, uh, that was that's such a good like. It's funny because, like, if you look throughout history, there's always, like, some sort of, night, not just, like, press, but some sort of media that was criticized that says it's going to rot the mind, like, uh, like, newspapers at one point. Now, this is talking about television, and now, like, recently we're talking about, like, fucking social media and shit. So, like, I don't know. I just think it's super interesting that it's still, like, a same kind of message for, like, a different medium. Uh, and-, and it's... It's the idea of you just are spending so much time on fake shit. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. you just don't see the actual shit that's going on around you, and it's true. There's times we should. There's times we all turn our brains off and watch Channel Zero. It's mm. just you gotta change the channel sometimes. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Um. You got. You, you gotta come up for air and see what's going on around us. So, and it's you know, and it's that idea, and I like that flavor. <laughs> Flave in this one. It isn't that he's going like she's watching Channel Zero. He's just like turn it on to my bullshit. <laughs> I want to watch sports. Well, I was gonna say I, I like that Chuck. That there's a through line here that uh, women watching TV are being set up with negative stereotypes that you can't, and specifically body uh, types that are unattainable because you're watching an actress on TV that you're never going to be able to replicate because they have the time money and energy to put into looking like that yep and this is 30 years ago before any type of body positivity movement and really like uh when i'm glad chuck doesn't do the whole 
uh, don't do this, do this instead, because that there's often that pitfall of uh, supplementing one body type that you'd be aiming for and replacing it with a different one, where this one's just like, as you said, body positivity. Take care of yourself and, you know, you are you and you're great for it. And that is, you know, and it's, again, and there's the through lines of, you know, because he's black nationalist, it's not the same like white nationalism where <laughs> it really is push no. everybody out. It, yeah. it is a radical position to be proud to your very core for being black. And that doesn't mean, though, wipe everybody else out. Um, it's very much of because of how liberated my mind is. It's time to liberate everybody else. <laughs> and it's that idea of just you gotta change the channel sometimes. I just I, I, uh, it off. I think uh, this this like this song reminds me a lot of uh, idols and their song television. Like yes, mm -hmm. I was like like this is kind of exactly it except like a different genre, and I think that's fantastic. I was gonna um, throw them on the previous relevant episode too, and I forgot. So oh, that's all right. Good well, job. Here, we are. here we are. We got them back on there. We got to make sure <laughs> that is very. But yeah, you're correct. It's just like that television thing, especially just the idea of just if anybody talked to you the way you yeah. do to you, love yourself. Put their teeth through. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's very much that same pathos of like, come on, yeah, you have everything you need with us, you know, with with yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, before we move to the next song. Football heads off the top of the dome. Do you know who the black quarterback is that uh, Flavor Flav was making reference to? In 88? Uh, Darren Williams, or not, I forgot. His Warren Doug Moon? Williams. There you go. Doug Williams, Reds. Doug Williams? Oh. When was Warren Moon? Warren Moon never went team. to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, Doug Williams with the Redskins, yeah. yeah. Or I'm sorry, the football team, yes. <laughs> the one championship or the first yeah championship won by a black quarterback mm -hmm. uh that last time the football team was relevant yeah <laughs> they would have been if they In didn't destroy rg3 that is still insane that they flat right. out just ruined his career they did but, and, you know hey uh i forget dan snyder Pay for some fucking turf upkeep. Jesus fucking Christ. Mm -hmm. Flat like, out, we could have had... Build your own quarterback. Could have had a Lamar Jackson a whole decade and a half earlier. Because mm -hmm. that's who it, yeah, it was essentially that yeah. of just fast as fuck, but also a gun. <laughs> and then all of a sudden... Uh, that's awful. all of a sudden. Uh, I, I, that is, it's very awful because like they finally went to a playoff game and then like he, it's like I don't know what do you want to, I don't know what you want to call it. You can it's, see his knee basically sticking just, out of the rest yeah. of his body during the game. Yeah, it was just horrible. It was, it was just horrible. It was like some sort of symbolism there, where yeah. RG three got them to the playoffs and then just got like severely injured in the playoffs, so like just never carrying them. Yeah. Uh, oh my god. Anyways. Fortunately, RG3 is a black conservative. Oh. He's one of those weirdos. Man. Um, I mean, he went to was. Baylor, so that doesn't shock me. Baylor? I hardly knew her. Ayo. <laughs> All right. Kevin, get us Show him what time. you got. Show, show, show him what you got. That's the track. <laughs> <laughs> that was before. Oh, uh, yeah. The, before. <laughs> uh, the next one is uh, Night of the Living Baseheads, which yes. uses the uh, first time that you hear the sample... Uh, that I called in our pre-show uh, little chat around a tea kettle sample. Ah, uh, yes. 
This is the first of two times that it happens. It also comes back on Rebel Without a Pause. Uh, I just found this fantastic little website here called whosampled.com. Uh, it comes from a track by the JBs called The Grunt, uh, produced by James Brown. Yes, that oh, James Brown. Okay. Uh, I had heard this in a couple different tracks. Uh, listening through just hip-hop in general, uh, the one that, now that I'm looking at the rest of this page here, that it like really triggered back for me is off of Wu-Tang's Protect Your Neck. Uh, which would have been the first time that I heard it and that also kind of like opens up an epiphany for me is just this must have been the, one of the RZA's like favorite albums because there's so much in the production style on this that just is right there in 36 Chambers it's almost like plagiarism with how close the production is here with that album and that's true because how, how like we're in like four layers of influence if we would take a band today <laughs> like um because yeah like wu-tang was right it was after this yep. but it does sound it, it i mean it has that same idea of just there's a party going on while at the same time a lot of violent things are happening <laughs> but that's uh, uh brooklyn zoo gangster rap uh staten island just hood and but it's also got that militant style. Before every uh, Wu-Tang show or a Wu-Tang member uh, going on at Riot Fest, they'd have a uh, like a children group come out and do like a stomp the yard kind of thing, but mm. like with almost like it, it just black excellence mantras being said. And like that was the warm up for Wu-Tang or Wu-Tang member going on. Anyways, uh, so yeah, uh, Black Steel in the uh, Hour of Chaos, uh, mm-hmm. Prison Break song, hell yeah. Um, it's also very anti-military recruitment, obviously. Um, Chuck D's point is because a black man could never truly be a veteran, and that's true to me. Uh, specifically, it reminds me of when True Brees was being a fucking stupid asshole early in the year. Mm-hmm trying to do the troops excuse for not supporting player protests again and then uh i forget what specific player it was but you know addressed him personally just going my grandfather was world war ii veteran and guess what happened when he got back you know he got discriminated against left and right he wasn't allowed to be a veteran and that's chuck d's point too of why would i become a veteran of a country that's still oppressing me at home anyways, especially because the prison industrial complex, as RTG, RTJ4 really talks about too, it's one of the, it's probably the number one, you know, suppressive institution in our country. Right, yeah. Just the yep. way it grounds up black and brown people. So like, it just turns them into paste. I mean, what? how many of them fought those wildfires? Right, I was gonna say like, in the heart of the 80s too when you have Ronald Reagan with like uh, maximum uh, or what was it like minimum sentencing and well, then uh, the drug war yeah the beginning yeah, of the like drug war everything which there was not a drug war it's a war on black and brown yes <laughs> that's still going on today uh, it's why the CIA is the biggest drug dealer in the fucking world 
Um, and it's also why they steal more. They steal more than us than we can ever loot back. That idea is yeah. The, dr the drug war and civil forfeiture alone. Just the raw shit they take from people is already worth more. Uh, that's great, isn't it? It's uh, it's fun it's, stuff. Uh, looking at genius lyrics, uh, Scarface, legendary rapper from the '90s, uh, had a cool point on a, a like uh, they call it what is it verified connotations? Yeah, yeah. when it's yes. from an actual artist. Uh, Scarface notes how. Uh, Chuck D uses his voice like an instrument. He doesn't keep, you know, he doesn't have the same flow all the time. He plays with his voice all the time. And uh, he compared it to a, a, a modern day contemporary with like Kendrick Lamar is another example. But I was like, yeah, that is a good point. Uh, Chuck D doesn't have, you know, he, miss, he messes with his delivery and his style all the time. I'm going to say, and I very don't know when I was going to answer, but like Chuck D just listening to him not even commentating on his uh rhyming game or anything like that or songwriting just listening to his voice is just arguably one of my three favorite rappers ever period like it just it makes you want to stand in tension just salute him like uh, i'm it's... i will go to fight for you sir <laughs> <laughs> It's just so unique, and there are so few people who not only just sound like him at that register, but like, as you say, Scarface pointing out, like, what he does fluctuating with everything is just, it's A1. And, and it's, uh, you know, and yeah, it's, uh, you're a vocalist, you know, you're not yes. just a rapper, you're a vocalist. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Kendrick Lamar is a great example, too, of somebody who does that today. Where if you listen to, you know, sit down and listen to an album from him, he gives you so many different sounds. Um, what do we got next? We got Rebel Without a Pause, I think would be the next biggest album there. Or biggest album, biggest song there. Uh, I like the way it starts out, too. And this brings back that uh, the sample that uh, Kevin was talking about earlier, right? The tea kettle thing, right? Yes. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah. I do like the intro because it does kind of sound like a oh, what do you want to call that? Like kind of it starts out like like a funky a funky kind of thing, and then it just goes hard into the lyrics with that that sample. That's fucking holy Christ! Like I love the song, but that sample can fuck off sometimes. <laughs> it, it's such a a tension winder, and I can see how that can get grating a little bit. But yeah. With, yeah. with something as aggro as Rebel, like it's very much the bomb about to blow. Mm -hmm. I like, yeah, I like it on headphones. Uh, on my stereo sound bar, it was awful. <laughs> <It's> awful. <laughs> I, I just changed it. Uh, I was like, nope, uh, I am trying to chill. But, <laughs> it, but yeah, on headphones, it's one of those because yeah, it's surrounding you. It sounds great. It, then that's when it's like it really gives that chaos. And then, uh, hey, uh, hey, this sounds familiar. Yeah, Outfits of Rage. Yeah, what is that, uh, about? What is that about? It, it sounds like it'd be a great band name. Someone should really do something with that. Someone should really. Something. <laughs> really Who is something. in that? It's Chuck D and Tom Morello. Yeah. And anybody else? Uh, well, it's the entire band of uh, Rage Against the Machine. So it's Tim Comfort and Brad. Oh, okay. Last name. Uh, and then it's also. Uh, Oh, what, what's his name from uh, the Stoner Rap Group? 
Oh, fuck. Why am I blanking on all of the things right now? Uh, they're insane in the membrane. Oh. Someone help me out. Oh, Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill, yes. Uh, I almost said Beetlejuice. What the fuck's wrong with me? <laughs> Be real. There we go. Be yeah. real, yes. B is also in the group. Uh, they were a great live show. Uh, were, yeah, Riot Fest? Little, little, little bit of a hit and miss on the album, but, you know, uh, it's it, it was a great, great live show. And then also, on this track here, uh, I don't know if it's just sampled or referenced, but it's the hook from What's Gold by Jurassic 5 in the second verse, and then also referenced a couple times. <laughs> Another good band, just contemporaries of these guys. Yeah. yeah. It's so fun when you hear something older in the day and you're like, that, it's the, the thing, it's the thing. <laughs> and then uh, ref- further referencing uh, contemporaries is our last track, Party for Your Right to yeah. Fight. I, say, I think they, do they still, do they have some samples in here from, uh, what, first of all, who wrote it first? Was it Fight for Your Right to Party or Party for Your Right to Fight? Uh, fight for Your Right to Party, Beastie yeah, Boys. First, okay, uh, came first. So it's definitely a play on that. Okay, I well yes, because I they they that. sample they sample that song. Yes. And I do have to wonder, like, I'm sure there probably wasn't a lot of happy people that like arguably the biggest hip hop album and song at that time was Three White Dudes from Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, and and what's funny is like that song is directly uh, satire of the like whole macho man uh, party douche bro. Uh, it's basically just making fun of all the hair metal and uh, your Motley Crues, your Guns N' Roses at the time. Uh, so to take that and then flip it and then like it, it, there's so much going on that's so great on this track to just end it with this is such a fucking amazing high note and especially the line you know of course that ends up being the album title but that is so like it takes a nation because that's you know that's Again, the truth peter yeah. peter griffin i said the thing <laughs> so yeah three different times at least <laughs> I, say, uh, I, I think that is pretty badass to have the the last the last thing that you say on the album is what the album is called. I, I thought that was pretty cool. And just that phrase in general is very yeah. powerful to me because yeah. you know it's like that's been America's one of America's missions from the start <laughs> is to hold black people back. Yeah, and it takes a lot a lot of people to make it work and we don't want that we do not uh black lives do matter mm-hmm. uh, um black lives matter and uh we need to change all of our systems until it reflects that and yeah. so another record telling us telling us the truth to all that yes well that was that that was uh, uh um a public enemy it takes, I feel it takes a nation acknowledged yeah, and I, also partied. I was going to say, I feel like I still haven't gotten everything from it yet. Like you said, this is kind of yeah. like our first take of it. And I, I feel like this needs at least, you know, a, another week or two's worth of listening to finally maybe catch on to a couple things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And but that's like, uh, contemporaries and then people that build off of this all, you know, kind of yeah. say that same thing of it just 
you can always go back to it and find something new or uh, find something you might not just caught before or just appreciated as much before. So that's awesome. Um, Well, that's that. I guess that was the, uh, that was the episode. Not exactly radio doing some Cypress Hill. We'll be back again soon. Don't look at me. Did I say Cypress Hill? Oh my yeah. God. I'm sorry. We just talked about Cypress Hill's public enemy. I uh, apologize. You're just so insane in the membrane. <laughs> it may... Insane in the brain. That was public enemy. Uh, we'll be back soon. I think we're probably, you know, leading up to the election. I think I do think it's a good idea if we did Bad Religion and then Rage Against the Machine too. So like, if we want to do a Bad Religion album next, I'm not going to say no to it. And in between there, we're going to have a Halloween episode. And then, holy shit, we have... We and an FDT episode unless, uh, unless uh, it's not relevant anymore. Oof. Right? Yeah. FDT. Oh, Fuck Donald yeah, that's Trump. right. That's right. Forgot about that. Yes. Okay. Yes. We might also not be relevant. I am I fine if that one isn't relevant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're out of here. It's not exactly radio with me, your host, Benny K and Tony, just Tony, Tony, just Tony and, uh, and Kevin fight the power, fight the power. Thank you so much. That's Kevin. a different album. That's close enough. It's so cool. <laughs> All right. We're out of here. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. I trust that you're